God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to this Scott Adams show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I'm joined by Leonor Kavoda. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Leonora. Scott. So I guess it's not a crisis if you say it's not a crisis. Right. Yeah. Politico had a good way of articulating this. They said that the reason for the linguistic the linguistic dance is is that the border crisis interferes what has until now been an an enormously effective strategy for Biden, which is to stay focused on the two crises that he is managing, the two that he decided to solve. So, so while he's not, it's not that he's quote unquote not doing anything about the surge. It's just not part of the White House messaging. So he wants to talk this week about shots in the arm and checks in the pockets. So the two crises that he is elected to solve is the COVID crises and the um, economic situation. So that's why you have that messaging. But as you noticed, Jen Psaki finally got around to suddenly calling it uh, the situation at the border a crisis. And then she got into a, a thing with a reporter who then called her on it. So I think now that they've hit the, I think they're referring it to a million new jabs, like, you know, a little play on a million new jobs. Now that they've hit that mark, they're focused more on let's, uh, you know, talk about the border again. It's almost like they're, they're going out of their way to sabotage themselves. I mean, they're breaking stuff. They're literally walking in 60 days in. And they've made so many unforced errors. And they're the, they're the people that have been on TV for Jen Psaki and, and Marie Harf and all these libtards from the uh, Obama administration uh, get on TV and they, they've been talking like they're the smartest people in the room with such arrogance. Uh, I don't know what it is about the liberals and their arrogance. It's sort of like this pompous ivory tower um, thing. Uh, and they look at Trump supporters as um, Neanderthals. Yeah, Neanderthals. That's 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 the word that Biden used, right? Well, exactly. I mean, but that's the way they look at it. And I see, I see. I, look, I grew up. 
I grew up in the Ohio Valley, right? Uh-huh. And, you know, just blue-collar, uh, hard-working, um, you know, people. They, they were just good people. Uh, nice people. Not Maybe not so nice people, but, I mean, the idea was they didn't take themselves so seriously. The one thing I remember growing up in the Midwest was like, Got any plans Friday? No. <laughs> it's like, well, let's well, get together. there was together. nothing to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was nothing. There was so, nothing. Yeah. You know, it's uh, that kind of thing. But it's like, or yeah, I made plans. We're going to go over to Joe's house. And it's like, you're welcome to come. <laughs> you know, well, that kind well, of thing. Well, that's it. That's about fostering community. And <laughs> but, the thing about the conservatives. But, but, but when I wanted to get, when yeah. I moved to New York yeah. uh, or somewhere like that, it's uh, more metropolitan. Um, everybody always had something to do. They right? That was number plan. one. Because and they didn't was, want to appear that they didn't have and, one. And you didn't grow up with the person. It was always transient. You know what I mean? And D.C. is a very transient Tran- town. D.C. is even more transient than yeah. New York. People build roots in New York. But I think the, the misperception about Trump supporters or conservatives in general mm-hmm. is that, A, that, you know, as I just said a moment ago, that everybody's some type of Neanderthal. First of all, that's not true. There are plenty of, quote, unquote, well-educated polished, well-to-do conservatives. But you know what? There are also plenty of people from the heartland of this country of all different economic levels, people from all coasts, people of all sizes and shapes. And that's the whole point of the country is we're not supposed to be a government for the for the elite. We're supposed to be a government for everybody. And we're supposed to be a government for multiple perspectives. It's, you know, it's not this, uh, you're not part of the club mentality everybody's part of the club because you know what they're citizens of the united states yeah yeah well you know what um a lot of unforced errors they've gotten in there they've uh, made a crisis out of the border there wasn't one uh now you i read a report uh just today posted over on magapack.org uh, i believe it was and um what they were doing there is, is it, yeah, it's magapack.org. Um, Israel is back with airstrikes as Turkey scrambles to salvage some oil in Syria's source. Uh, was cur- uh, The source that we got that from was uh, courtesy of Zero Hedge. So when we go there, um, you know, in the Middle East, they're already bringing up, uh, you know, missiles, and those missiles are going to make a lot of people in the military industrial complex rich uh this was actually you know it's kind of interesting zero hedge got the article from south front <laughs> and uh and magapack got the article from zero hedge yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah it's, it's circular. circular reporting right <laughs> um but you got the idea that biden is just a puppet that is going through the motions of being told what to do and then doing it. Uh, figurehead. He's got a pen. That's about all Biden needs to know how to do. And every once in a while, he goes rogue. Yes. Right? Even with George Stephanopoulos. We played his interview with George Stephanopoulos earlier in the week. Such a simple interview. Right? I mean, George Stephanopoulos helps him with his words, helps him complete sentences, and asks him the simplest questions with zero follow-up. There's no questioning whatsoever uh, in terms of, like, what did he really mean? Mm-hmm. And the idea was that he, even then he slipped up. Yeah, He uh, said that uh, Putin was the devil. Yeah. Looked in his eyes, saw the devil. George W. Bush looked in his eyes and, you know, saw some something and... 
all of a sudden, all these globalists, you know, seem to, you know, I put them all in one fell swoop, uh, one big globalist cabal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Bushes, the Clintons, and the now the Bidens. And, uh, of course, um, you have uh, also Obama. Obama, though, I think was a globalist of a different stripe. And only because, uh, and not because he's a minority or half a minority. Uh, it was really because he had his own ideology, and it was it was sort of driven by radical Islamic, radical Islam, uh, and Muslim Brotherhood influences that the others did not have. Um, but the globalist European model of globalism, where you're always helping these developing nations, but what are you going to get in return? It seems like the rich people always sort of like act like philanthropists and act like they're generous, but what they actually expect in return for what they're investing in, Mm -hmm. it's almost like they're a spoiled investor because they're used to getting what they want. So they invest in these things and they become the chairman, speaker, keynote, whatever, Mr. VIP important. And at the end of the day, you know, they want all that they want all that accolade, but they also demand a lot. They demand a lot, like Bill Gates demands a lot. He, he demands a lot of return on his investment because he's expecting it. That's what, the, what, what he's used to. He's used to a monopoly where he gets a maximum return on investment. He's spoiled rotten that way. It's not a bad thing, really, to be spoiled rotten about being successful. But when you're playing with people's lives, it is. And that's exactly what Bill Gates is doing. But I think in the case with um, Biden and Vladimir, I think he bit off more than he could chew because Vladimir Putin's having some fun with this. Yeah. See, that, that's the problem. The problem is... At, is at that, our country's expense. Yes. We're, being, we're looking ridiculous. That's right. And uh, it's not just about... Uh, see... Vladimir Putin didn't mess with Trump. No, because he knew. Don't you know? Don't. Yeah. What's that song? Don't, you don't mess around with Jim or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you don't pull on Superman's cape. You don't spit in the wind, and you don't pull the mask off the old Long Ranger, and you don't mess around with Jim. You don't. Yeah. You know that's one thing you don't do. Yeah. And um, so, in any case, <laughs> you didn't Vladimir- think I was going to say that, did you? <laughs> Vladimir Putin ups the ante, challenges Joe Biden to a live public debate <laughs> without any delays oh my god without any delays biden but i think what he meant i think what he meant by delays is without any time delays no 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 without any delays biden declines uh, <laughs> russian president vladimir putin upped the ante on thursday and challenged joe biden to a live debate Stolen elections have consequences the whole world knows joe biden has dementia and that we have no true leadership the Dust up with Russia started early this week with Joe when Joe Biden threatened Putin. <laughs> what a mistake! And called him a killer with no Yuck. soul during an interview with George Stephanopoulos. A few hours after Biden's interview with Stephanopoulos aired, uh, where he threatened Putin, Russia recalled its ambassador to the United States. A sign relation uh, relations are strained between the U.S. and Russia. Putin hit back at Biden for calling him a killer and said, it takes one to know one. 
<laughs> and then Biden's gaffes and dementia already appear to be escalating the U.S. relationship with Russia in a bad way. One Russian leader took it a step further, blaming Biden's remarks on his dementia. Well, that's, and that's why I they to, want to do it without delays. Right. And, and if you look at this... And, and I just wanted to finish that uh, okay. yeah, real quick. Let, let me, let me, Andrei Turchak, the leader of the main pro-Kremlin United Russia Party, described Biden's remarks as a reflection of the U.S. political marismus. What's that word, by the way? How do you spell it? M-A-R... A-S-M-U-S. Marismus. I think it's probably some type of mess or something. And it's leaders' dementia. All right, so now this. Putin upped the ante and challenged Dementia Joe to a live public debate knowing full well he is incapable because of his cognitive decline. Well, that's what I was starting to yeah. say. I want, what bought, what uh, Putin told a Russian state TV reporter is I want to propose to President Biden to continue our discussion, but on the condition that we do it basically live, as it's called, without right. any delays. This didn't have about Biden's that, response. That, that sounds like something Trump would say. And indirectly <laughs> in an open, direct discussion, Putin said, I don't want to put this off for long. I want to go to the Tega this weekend to relax a little so we could do it tomorrow or Monday. We're ready at any time. <laughs> Convenient for the American side. So in other words, you know, um, Putin is basically calling um, out Biden and saying, look, I'm ready. All right. You know, and I want to get it. And I just want to do it. Why aren't you ready? And he knows that Biden will not be able to function in an environment where there aren't tape delays. You know, so that's it's, it's very, very interesting how they already know what's going on. I mean, we've been calling him the man behind the man behind the curtain. It's, you know, the the uh, wise and powerful Oz, except he's not wise and powerful. He's he, he literally is the little man behind the curtain. Right. That's right. Yeah, so it's a, it's pretty it's, it's pretty pathetic because but, now know, we're, it's being exposed on the world stage. And to your point, Scott, that you were just saying, the dichotomy with uh, Biden, who people um, already are seeing as having some type of cognitive dissonance, and then you and then you've got then you've got uh, you've got President Trump, who you know was always quick on his feet always came came back with uh the one-liners and you you know and had the energy of a man half of his age there's no competition there's literally no competition president trump blows his successor in the dust well you know in any case uh it just goes to show you how unfit biden is i mean he uh has this softball interview with george stephanopoulos and he, even then he makes stupid mistakes that he can't back up. See, it's one thing to make the statement, but then back it up. Walk the walk, or t- you know, talk the talk, walk the walk, right? So, or walk the talk, or talk the walk. Um, but the idea is he's not following up with it. He's a chicken. So he's a, he's a real chicken about that. And Putin is, is really exposing the world, exposing him to the world, exposing uh, Biden to the world. And his son is going around, you know, with no scruples, no morals, crackhead. And, you know, it's just a terrible place to be with this leadership. There's no way Biden got 81 million votes. There's no way. Well, who even thinks of this as leadership? As I keep saying, I sort of feel like we have an interim president. Yes, technically speaking, all presidents are interim. Okay, but but still. (laughs) It gets more dramatic than that. Yeah. And 
the drama is now in Alaska, you know, where they are playing games. Yeah. They're playing a game of charade. They're playing a game, folks. When you have this guy, uh, Lincoln. Blinken is, Blinken is the name Blinken, of the Secretary yeah. of State. Lincoln was a former president. I haven't come to grips with the Biden administration yet, okay? You won't I, acknowledge I know, them, I know. I won't. I don't. And I, I'm having a problem with it, all right? <laughs> um, but here's the thing. Um, you know, uh, actually, we didn't even get our phone system up. Well, while, well, while, while uh, no, 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 but I wanted to talk about that. Okay, yeah. Go well, ahead. let's talk right. about it. Um, yeah. So basically, the AP when they reported it, they you know they essentially said that it, that that in unusually pointed public remarks for a state diplomatic meeting, the Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Chinese Communist Party. Foreign Affairs Chief Yang Jiechi took aim at each other's country's policies at the start of the two days of the talk in, talks mm. in Alaska. The contentious tone of their public comments suggested the private discussions would be even more rocky. And so these meetings are our new test in the increasingly troubled relations between the two countries, well, which are basically at odds over a whole bunch of issues from trade to human rights. And so there's there's a lot going on right now, and not to not to mention the uh, the the coronavirus pandemic. So it's it's really um, again not a good situation where we're we're being viewed as not necessarily having the strongest position in our communications with China. See, and I I see it completely different than the way that article uh, right. proposes it. Yeah, because the article proposes it from a journalist perspective. And see, here's the difference between journalism and analysis. Yeah. Is journalism tells you the story that they see in front of them. And that's great. That's fine. Or and it's I, supposed to do that. And I respect, well, and they, well, that is journalism. But we don't have journalism in our country. Don Lamont is not a journalist. Fredo is not a journalist. Right. These are these are people. Rachel Maddow is not a journalist. These are people pushing their own ideation and their own propaganda. Right. But in the case of this China story, what I see is I, I always look at the big picture. I always look at, you know, when I'm doing analysis, I always look in my pocket, you know, or I look I look at the end game and say, okay, where is that? Where where what's the result of that? What's the net result? Not what the words are, but what's the net result? Whether it's anything in life, really, is is the person you know. Uh, genuine or not and in this game game um diplomats know how to control themselves that's number one number two a diplomat's never going to do anything in public that's not uh premeditated one would think not you you understand i mean so so the idea is is that that's why they're diplomats that's why they call it diplomacy the the sheer definition of diplomacy is level-headedness you know, and 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 keeping your composure, keeping composure, and 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 trying to avoid conflict and escalating conflict. Now there could be um, all kinds of diplomacy, but generally speaking, if a diplomat's going to air their dirty laundry in Alaska with two superpowers and all that's at stake, they're not they're not going to do it unless it's scripted or on purpose. Or they're willing to do it for whatever reason. I mean, that public the public theater is absolutely important. It's an important part of diplomacy. They didn't like it when Trump did it, but it was actually very important. 
when Trump would call world leaders out, like at NATO, for being deadbeats and not paying mm-hmm. their bills, I thought that was actually the best thing that could have ever been done. And uh, the liberals hated Trump for that. But the way I see it with China is they used COVID one way or the other by malicious intent or sheer neglect. And they've now gotten the world through their through their investments in the WHO and the and their perks at the WTO being treated as a developing nation at the World Trade Organization and having uh, the strongest footprint in the World Health Organization because they're buying up all these peasants, these warlords, and these in these developing nations, uh, and some of them are the leaders of the WHO. You know, sheer warlords and thugs, thuggery from Africa, running the World Health Organization into the ground. So Trump decided, you know what? You're not good. We're going to pull our funding. And China stayed there. And at, at some point, <clears throat> Trump was, it were, uh, he was willing to wait, wait it out in terms of a deal. And finally, with the tariffs in place, he said, we could wait all day long if you want, but I know you don't want to wait because I know you want those tariffs to be yeah. relieved. And so he played hardball. He's like, you're going to pay me one way or the other. Why? Oh, okay, because the deal we have with you is actually, uh, you can't get a worse deal. So when the Biden administration eventually comes to the table and say, we sat down and we actually walked out of the door. We didn't get everything we wanted, but you know, we, we walked out with more than we had. That's not a win, folks. Not when you're losing, like, you know, in a basketball game, 200 to nothing. And you walk in and you, they say, we're, we're going to put 10 points on your scoreboard. I mean, give me a break. No, that's not a fair deal. So Trump held them accountable and tariffed the heck out of them. And they came to the table because reluctantly. They didn't want to. Now, here's where the unintended consequence comes in. The unintended consequence with China was that they were then playing dirty with secretaries of state and governors of states, like particularly in Georgia, where they were working with Raffensperger and um, Kemp, and they started this new thing called GeorgiaBusiness.China. It was an organization that was uh, investing in Georgia. And they're doing it in Arkansas, according to Terry, who calls in, um, suggested China's buying up Arkansas. And I can speak for my father and tell you that he drove me along some golf courses that were bought up by Chinese and allowed to grow in. Meaning they're all weeds now. They let the golf courses go. And all the property that aligned themselves around in Myrtle Beach, around these golf courses, gone, you know, devalued, completely devalued. Maybe it'll go up in value when they build condos on those golf courses. But they're going to be Chinese-owned, nevertheless. And it's just something that we need to keep an eye on. So where they didn't get a deal with the federal government, they made deals with the state and local officials who were cheaper. They were more affordable. You, Your money goes, uh, the bang for the buck goes a lot longer in local and state politics. Just ask George Soros when he 
starts investing in district attorneys and judgeships. You know, and trying to get those people elected so that they could turn a blind eye to to crime and, and racial and, and st- so racial division, and protect sanctuary cities, and protect the illegal migrants. You know, which is what was kind of like invest the the investment in the root of the fruit, if you will. And so the idea is that Trump decided to tariff China. And he was just going to wait, and he figured, well, I know they'll come around. They're paying out the nose now. They're paying a tariff. And China was trying all they could. They tried to buy their barley from Brazil. Brazil was at 100% capacity, could not produce enough barley for China. And so, therefore, they had to go to our American farmers. And where the tariffs got hit, they started to try to go after Trump's base of voters tell me they're not savvy with regard to American elections and so Trump turned it around and gave back to the farmers the supplement that they a supplement that matched what they lost in business from China trying to crack down and make an example out of them but finally China was coming to their knees they had to buy the barley and they had to buy beef from the United States because they were in short supply because America, they were trying to, uh, I, you know, trying to weaken America, but they couldn't. And those terrorists were kicking their butt. So they sat down and they negotiated phase one. And Trump loudly proclaimed that he got what he wanted and he got the better deal. And But uh, China's going to be happy too. He gave them a, a deal that they didn't want, but... They had, to, they had to accept it. They had to make the pain go away. So they talked. They signed. They did. But then the COVID thing, whether it be through malicious intent or whether it be through neglect, sheer neglect, one way or the other, this COVID thing should never be COVID again. It should be never called COVID again. It should be called the China virus. It should be called the Wuhan virus. And anybody that calls it, including myself, and I make the mistake all the time, that calls it COVID or calls it Corona is making a mistake because this is a war of messaging. Now, I don't really give two whatevers about what the social media people think of me every time I post an article questioning something about the COVID reaction and response and whatever else. And they always warn me that they're going to censor me. But you know what? That's what it's all about because these big tech firms are in bed with China. It's all about protecting China. China has, again, you know, in lieu of the uh, skirt around of that deal that was so painful for them, they tried to exploit. And those were the unintended consequences of being tough on China. They had other options. Just like taking them off the stock exchange. Well, they'll just go ahead and pony up and go on the uh, UK stock exchange. So they have other options. Just like if you tax the rich, like if you're Ocasio-Cortez or someone like that, and you tax the rich 90%, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. What's the rich going to do? The rich is going to get up and move to France. Yeah, they're going to expatriate. Yeah, expatriate, right? So, yeah, it's not a big well, that's deal. that's the thing is when you have, have to, money and you have power, you have options. And that's you where chess, that's where we can't be playing checkers. We've got to be playing chess. But I guarantee you what's going to happen with this Alaska meeting is what's going to happen is they're going to, they're coming out with this diplomatic, in the in your face, you know, adversarial thing like we don't like each other. Well, and then base, they're going to come to a deal, yeah. And you're going to start to you and because they they came at it from a you know a contentious position publicly, they're going to sit down privately, and then what they're going to do is they're going to come back out. And they said, we made an agreement. We both didn't get all that we wanted, but we feel like it's a fair deal. So, they, it's, so it's going to be... Status it, quo. It's going to be positioned as a win. Because the whole focus of this is that um, the way Blinken and the also the European allies were, were positioning China was saying that China was acting in a very authoritarian way, which, I hey, no surprise. And then China came back to us and said, well, look at all the human rights violations in your own countries. So, but to your point, I think that is what, going to... What, 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 what well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Because speci- I don't, I don't know the specific high level. You know, I'm just talking about it in a high level because there are human rights violations, I'm sure, in our country, but not on the level that you see in China. Well, the human rights that I see, yeah, are the two standards of justice, right, That well, we have. Well, that is very true, and, but that and it's is a favoring case of the liberals. Well, that's a case of liberal elitism, but they're talking, they're talking about something different here. Like what? They're talking racism about, from 1865. No, they're, they're talking about. Things like people being subject to, you know, some form of white slavery, other types of things, human justice, corruption. We're not a violator of human rights. No, I know. America but is not. But, no, but they're trying to, in part, say that. Yeah. So the thing is, you know... It, it is probably going to net out in a way similar to the way you described. I know, but here's the thing. I read a report earlier in the week that suggested that they're probably not going to get a deal until 2024. So what they're doing is they're trying to make it look like, well, we managed to work out and craft a deal. Yeah, you know, John Kerry could uh, debate or ne- negotiate his way out of a paper bag. Did he ever explain why he was caught maskless on a plane? Yeah, I know, I know. But let, I mean, the the thing is, John Kerry's not not the Secretary of State, state now, anymore. But He's still a prominent former Secretary of State, right? But no, I'm talking about the Iran deal. I know what you're talking you know, about. And Wendy Sherman and all these people, the, the worst deal on the planet, right? I mean, but of course, we know that they're smarter than that. We know that they're they're what they're doing. They're selling out America and making politicians rich. And that's like people like Lindsey Graham and people like that, you know, are in the in in Congress for one reason and one reason only, and that's to enrich themselves. And so this deal in Alaska is is basically just a smoke and mirror thing to basically uh, ensure that China never ever has to adhere to the Phase One contractual commitment that they signed with Trump and Navarro and Lighthouser. And and Mnuchin, because Mnuchin, Lighthouser, Pete Navarro, and the Trump administration's, um, you know, economic team, and Walt Wilbur Ross, they all got together, and I think that they put together a really good deal that was a win for the United States, and they did it on our, you know, they did it on our soil, just like Alaska's on our soil, but they came to a really good arrangement. It was phase one. Then phase two, 
And they explained it to the American people, and it made perfect sense. But now, they're, what they're doing is they're doing a smoke and mirror razzle-dazzle, and they're going to untangle that. And they're going to basically put it on autopilot. Status quo, business as usual. China's going to continue with the deal that they've always had, which is a deal that's unfair to American workers. It's unfair you know, I mean, no no surprise that Ford has decided to just spit in the face of America and send uh, their car plants down to Mexico. So, I mean, it's just, again, it's the middle class under attack. The middle class is under attack with these globalist policies. And I'm just saying to you that at some point, the middle class ought to stop paying for it. Because they would straighten up and fly right if the middle class just stood up for themselves. Stood up and just said, no, I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm not going to foot the bill for everything that you want to do that basically costs me my job and, and takes money out of my pocket. And this is what's happening with COVID. The middle class took the biggest hit. With immigration, are they, are they moving into... Um, Nancy Pelosi's um, gated community? No. They are moving right down into River City, America. You know, and it's, it's that same kind of refugee plan that impacted Minneapolis. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a slum now. Minneapolis is just crumbled. And that's they, such a great city to it, see what, a ruin like yeah, that. Yeah, but, but I mean, it's been run over by a bunch of Somalians. You know, now you get a representative like Ilhan Omar. What kind of people, what, what is that reflective of? That you would actually get a woman that sleeps with her brother and marries and has an affair, and, and that's just her first year in Congress, while she actually pays out millions of dollars to her lover in lobbying fees or consulting fees. Where is she getting the money from? She was poor when she walked in. She was poor. And all of a sudden, she's rich. How in the world do you actually become a public servant at 170000 a year and buy a million-dollar home and pay millions to your lover as a consultant? Well, that's because they get rich Where's coming into coming office. From? Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't uh, add up to me. You know, they call that the swamp. They call that... Uh, Pay to play. There's a lot. They call that pork. There's a lot of things they call that. But again, that. again, these these things. I was talking about it yesterday. These refugees, and um, the, the whole refugee thing, the whole migrant thing. It's all about globalists moving people around the globe. You know, like we were talking about the caravans that were all fighting age males walking into Europe. It's an invasion. They said no. It was actually a matador with a red cape. Mm-hmm. You know, getting the people to come to Europe and leave the battlefield behind so that they could basically leave their homeland defenseless so that the globalists can go in and mine for all the precious metals that make the planes and the tanks and all these other little things, the circuit boards and all these things that require special metals. China is a dominant superpower when it comes to these precious metals. And the Middle East, particularly in Afghanistan, has a lot of precious metals in it, and in Iran and elsewhere. 
they have a lot of precious metals, Iraq, and um, that they can mine for. And it would uh, supply the world with good, good materials. And uh, that's what they're fighting for. They're fighting for a lot of that stuff. There's so many deals where people are getting rich quick on these investments. And we're going to go ahead and take Julie. Julie, uh, welcome to the Scott Adams Show. Hopefully we could hear you today. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I, I was wondering if uh, we have someone with such lack in, of intelligence to poke the bear. Isn't it time for the bear to go start chasing this person? <laughs> yeah, I, wouldn't, I didn't quite hear you say that. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. If, if this person, our president, is lacking in intelligence so much to poke the bear... And, and say that he can look in the eyes and see evil in somebody. Isn't it time for the bear to start chasing this person? Oh, and right. I say, go for it. Yeah, well, that's right. Okay, you're talking about the Russian bear, Vladimir Putin. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's right. I mean, it's time for someone to teach this person a lesson. I'm not trying to, I'm pur- purposely not trying to use names because I, I, I don't want to get anybody in trouble <laughs> but it's time for a lesson to be taught and the, the, he would be the exact right person to teach this person or illegitimate president a lesson you know it's what pretty it? sad that in we're in america right now where uh a lot of us look to a a, a uh a totalitarian leader like vladimir putin as more favorable than than a snake like Joe Biden, a cheat like Joe Biden. You know? Exactly. It's, t- it's a sad state of and affairs in America. Kim Jong-un? What happened to him? What's happened to Kim Jong-un? Well, Kim Jong-un actually has waged a lot of threats to uh, Biden. He's going to be testing Biden, too. And see, the thing about it is yeah. these people at the Brookings Institution and these think tank- tankers in D.C. that are, are really uh, far, far radical lefties, they are not going to know what hit them because right now they make the rules and they exploit the rules and they play the rules to their favor in Washington, D.C. But these world leaders, these, these, these hardball-playing, hard-hitting, tyrannical dictators like Kim Jong-un and, and, and uh, Xi Jinping and uh, Vladimir Putin, uh, who, who all have nuclear weapons at their disposal, uh, they're not going to know what hit them because there are no rule books when you go outside of the four walls of your country. No, I just think it's it's there's going to be a comeuppance, and uh, there is going to be a serious lesson taught to this man. And if if Trump can't teach him the lesson because they're trying to keep him in a corner, okay, go for it. Let let them all and. Let the games begin. Right. And I'm looking forward to it because you know what? If nobody in yeah. America is going to help Trump, right, uh, defeat uh, right. The, the radical left, uh, then maybe we need to go yeah. outside and look for support uh, by Putin that, and, and elsewhere yeah. to, to make the stand. Be, because, yeah. There's 110 million people that supposedly voted for Trump, and we're all behind Putin if that's what he's going to do. Go for it. I say it's time. 
You know, uh, I did it on the calculator yesterday, mm-hmm. and it was seventy-five um, percent voted uh, in a poll that said they they don't have a problem with voter ID and they want voter ID. And I would dare say that those seventy-five percent in that poll <clears throat> were Trump supporters. They were der- certainly not Biden supporters, who, who in basically sixty days uh, through HR one is going to completely. Uh, set the standard for rigged elections. And so if 75% supported Trump, you take that there was 152 or 157 million people that voted, right? Yeah. 152 or something like that. Then then basically it comes out to 117, I think it was 117 million votes or 107 million votes. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the math yesterday, but it was pretty startling, you know, when you think about it. It's like that's a lot of votes. And that seems to be about what it was. Mm-hmm. So what they had to do was it wasn't about rigging a close election. It was actually about rigging a landslide. One's a lot easier do, to do than the other. It's easy to fix a close election. It's really difficult to fix a landslide of epic proportions. Very true. And so the will of the people are not being heard. Well, the way that they're behaving about their their supposed win in this election makes one go back to the Obama administration, and you wonder if both of his elections were also won in the same way. And that's why they're able to behave this way, where they're hiding and putting barbed wire around everything in Washington, because they're they're walking around like a guilty person. Yeah, well, it kind of makes me, it kind of, um, what what I'm seeing kind of makes me uh, feel like, oh, it wasn't me. Because I, I remember waking up and feeling when Obama beat Mitt Romney, right? And I said, how could I have been that wrong, right? I, I, I didn't understand it, you know? How in the world could I have been so wrong about the country that I'm living in? that I thought that Mitt Romney was going to beat Obama in in a landslide, that Obama doesn't represent the values of, of America. And I remember waking up after Mitt Romney lost, thinking, I'm, am I that out of touch? Is it me? And then Trump came along, and he kind of set everything right, you know, because uh, in the 2016 election, uh, I think all the wrongs were righted, but it took somebody as amazing and as talented and as um, gregarious as Trump to really, you know, bust Washington wide open. And it was one of the greatest things that have, that's happened to America. And they just couldn't have that because Trump was basically trying to do the right thing by basically taking the the business out of the black market, taking the black market trade and squashing it with legal foreign policy deals. And that's uh, that that really had a negative impact on the military industrial complex. And when you do that, you basically have upset the apple card with regard to intelligence uh, and, and military apparatus in and outside of the Pentagon, in and outside of Washington, D.C., throughout our country. All these big deals. Well, 
Well, Putin, I, I assure you, he loves Trump just as much as we love Trump. He respects because Trump. he's strong. He's an adversary. And I say, go for it. Go All right. for it. Let him, let him teach everybody a lesson. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Julie. Thank you, Julie. Have a nice day. All right. Have a, great... have a nice day. Thank All right. You. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye. Have a All right. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about what? I I, I actually, um, I, I think the phone system hung up. Oh, yeah. all right. Well, oh, should we, we got a chance to say goodbye. You know, it's funny. When I was talking about Kerry, I did look it up. And he basically said that maybe this could be St. Patrick's Day malarkey about the mask. If he had it off of his ear, you know, or he had it hanging on one ear and off of his face, it was momentary. Um, but apparently, you know... <clears throat> Uh, lesser mortals have been stopped for that and apparently there there was no food on his tray or no drinks on his tray and and that it was off for longer than that because somebody reported him right so um we have uh, been working really hard on our magapack uh magapack.org and uh also um we, we were just told uh, today yeah. that uh, our donation button was not working. Right. It, we fixed it today. We fixed it. And I want to thank the, the gentleman that uh, emailed us about it. And, you know, we, we didn't know. Yeah. And we were wondering, it's like, what's going on? We're only getting a certain kind of donation, but not one. We have this one donation uh, thing where we, in order to sign the petition, we're, we're, we're basically um, pushing a petition that says that America, Make America Great Again Political Action Coalition, which is what MAGAPAC stands for, is supporting American First policies to make America great again. And we're putting together a petition, and we've already done it. You know, we have that signed petition that we're going to hand deliver to Washington, D.C. And we have this thing. It's a simple one-time donation. $5 puts you on the petition. And, and the reason why we did it like that is because we needed real people to sign up. And the way you can prove that they're real is if they actually make a, you know, use a credit card or make a PayPal payment. Or, there's got to be a transaction. So it's, a, it's some sort of a legal thing. And um, in any case, our donate button wasn't working. But we had just gotten the site. We had been working on it morning, noon, and night. And it's MAGAPAC. It's buglecall.org. Um, and MAGAPAC is our grassroots effort. And we're going to have um, grassroots events. Uh, and then we have Bugle Call, where we're going to have these um, uh, symposiums and galas and basically lectures uh, we have a religious freedom. Yeah, let lectures. me just, just yeah. mention a couple of them. So stay tuned for um, on August 6th, we're going to have our religious freedom Zoom conference. On September 10th, we have an education reform conference. On October 15th, it's an election integrity conference. And then on uh, November 19th, we're going to do an America First foreign policy event. And then in December December 10th, we're doing Cancel Culture. So you're going to start seeing these populating on the website with more details about the different speakers. So we're very excited. And we have three religious scholars on our board. We do We do have so, several so, religious scholars so on our board, Brent, and we're going to tap into other people yeah, as well. But Brent Hamachek is a religious scholar, uh, as is C.L. Bryant, 
uh, who is a reverend and pastor and a great speaker. Uh, and then also Larry Fries is a religious yeah. scholar. Yeah. So uh, we have a really great panel just on our board alone, but we're going to get other people we're to speak, We're going to get obviously. other people. So there's going to be more more happening. So it's exciting, and so just stay tuned. So we got a poll over there. So we have, this, we have these media landing pages where we have all of our streaming players. So when you go to magapack.org or, or if you go to buglecall.org, um, basically uh, any of the posts – has the poll. So anytime we post an article and you see it on social media, click on it and you'll see the poll over to the right. But we have a master poll. We have a big poll that's a featured poll. And the poll talks about who is the biggest rhino in Washington, D.C. And we have on this poll, we have, and it's uh, over at magapac.org, M-A-G-A-P-A-C.org. We have Congresswoman Liz Cheney. We have Senator Mitt Mittens Romney, Senator Lisa Murkowski, Senator Susan Collins, Senator Bill Cassidy, Congressman Tom Rice uh, from South Carolina, 7th District, Congressman Fred Upton. And it also tells you what district they're in and uh, and everything else. Uh, Congressman Fred Upton, re- Republican from Michigan, uh, 6th District. Congressman Peter Meijer, Republican from Michigan, 3rd District. Senator Ben Sass. Senator Richard Burr from North Carolina. Ben Sass is from North, uh, Nebraska. Senator Pat Toomey from uh, PA. Congressman David Veladeo, uh, Republican candidate. Republican from California, 21st District. Jamie Herrera Butler. He's from Washington State, 3rd District. Uh, and Dan Newhouse, Republican Washington uh, State, 4th District. Okay, Anthony Gonzalez, Republican Ohio, 16th District. These are, and, and of course, Adam Kinzinger, Republican from Illinois, 16th District. So these are all of the, um, all of the uh, candidates that voted to impeach Donald Trump. Right. Now, the people in the House voted before they even read the evidence because then when the evidence came out, it was proven, like factually proven, that Trump didn't have anything to do with the yeah. the invasion, Yeah, that these things were premeditated, that, that, that this was completely lacking due process. And anybody that has a brain like Liz Cheney or Adam K- K- Kinzinger or or can make the judgment like Mitt Mittens Romney or Bill Cassidy or Lisa Murkowski or Susan Collins. I say enough. Now, someone like Pat Toomey, he's going to retire. Burr, he's going to retire. So there's not a lot we can do about that. And Ben Sass just got six years. I think Cassidy did too. So we're only going to pick the fights that we're going to fight and win. Lisa Murkowski is up in 2022. We're going to make 2022 a, a real real eye-opener for people. And we're going to use the donations that we get. And again, we're a 501c3. And so it's tax deductible. Now, we're still pending on that. We're still pending. But uh, the money comes in, and uh, when it comes in, it only goes, 100% of it goes to the effort. Uh, Nobody's getting salaries at, uh, at these places. Everybody on the board... The board controls the organization. 
Okay, the organization's not owned by me. It's not owned by anybody. It's an organization controlled by a board. And that's how it works. So your donation's going to be in good hands. Uh, with a, And check out our board. If you want to check out our board, go to buglecall.org. Now, Magapack and Buglecall ha- go fall under the same uh, corporate license. Um, but... Uh, um, they're two different names for two different reasons, but mainly we wanted to actually not get filtered by the IRS. So Magapac uh, would have been filtered, I think. Um, so we, we went with BugleCall on the official corporation. And if you go to BugleCall.org, uh, what you'll find is uh, a board of directors on there, and it's the whole list. Mm-hmm. And the uh, board of directors, great board of directors, we want to share that with you. And uh, basically, it is me, right, Scott Adams, and Leonora Kravota, co-founders of the organization. Then we got Brent Hamachek as secretary and Larry Fries as treasurer. Charles Butler and C.L. Bryant are two show hosts uh, on the Red State Talk Radio. And Paul Preston. The chairman of the board, Paul Preston. You know, I'm the chairman of that board, but chair, President uh, Paul Preston's chairman of the of the uh, Red State Talk Radio board. He's like Frank Sinatra. Yeah, yeah he's like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> he's my Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Paul's on there, and you know, every one of them, I look up to. I, I look up to every single one of these people on our board. I literally look up to them. I, I think that they're just wonderful people. And uh, I have nothing but the highest praise for them. And, uh, but that, that poll is a fun poll to fill out. So you basically fill it out and just check the one you think is the biggest rhino. Now, on the, on the posts, we have a smaller poll. It's just basically, you know, the, the obvious. Kinzinger, Mitt, Mittens, Romney, yeah. uh, Cheney, uh, and Collins, and Murkowski, and, and, uh, and those types of people. But um, in any case, uh, we are going to be picking and choosing the seats we can run, uh, win. And uh, I know that Liz Cheney is going to be out of office come 2022. She, uh, what she did was just absolutely horrid. And she stands for very, very little, in my opinion. But in any case, check out our uh, new organizations. Uh, they're, they're really pretty much uh, complete. Um, we've done a lot of good work. We're going to be promoting the heck out of them uh, with some new graphics that we have in development. And uh, so stay tuned for the events, the events and the newsletter and uh, so many other things that we're going to be doing to provide you with the information about how we're going to kick the rhinos out of D.C. and bring, unite our party again and bring us closer to you know a sort of like a trump america utopia america first make america great again uh type of place to live all right well that brings us to the end of our show my name is scott adams my name is leonora Cravetta. and you're listening to the scott adams show be sure to check out scottadamshow.com to check out our podcast and we'll see you next time on the radio bye-bye now but close enough now to see this mess Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper I grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper Just to bury my kids right up to there